That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Monday, June 15th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today... The zero-interest Mac financing is finally here. Shopify and Walmart team up, as they probably should. Is Mr. Bezos about to go to Washington? Interesting check-ins with Quibi and SoftBank, and why researchers think people are more honest when responding on their smartphones than on their PCs. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. And here you go. As we speculated on last week, Apple this morning did indeed launch zero-interest financing on the Apple Card for purchases of iPads, Macs, AirPods, and most of its other products, even the Apple Pencil. Depending on what you buy, you can stretch out the payments for 6 to 12 months, again, interest-free, quoting 9to5Mac. In December, Apple launched a new iPhone 0% financing option for Apple Card users, and during Apple's most recent earnings call with investors, Tim Cook teased that similar promotions would soon be available for other Apple products, and recent reports indicated the rollout was imminent. These new options are available starting today. The financing options vary by product. For example, higher-priced items like the Mac and iPad Pro offer 12-month financing with 0% interest. Cheaper items like AirPods and AirPods Pro offer 6-month financing with 0% interest. Apple Watch is excluded from these financing options for unknown reasons. For example, you can finance AirPods Pro with 0% interest for 6 months, which equates to $41.50 per month. AirPods with wireless charging case can be financed for $33.16 per month. You can finance a 16-inch MacBook Pro starting at $199.91 for 12 months, and Apple just added a more powerful graphics option as well. The Mac Pro and Pro Display XDR are also eligible for these financing options. The Pro Display XDR starts at $416.58 per month, while the Mac Pro starts at $499.91 per month. Apple is also encouraging users to finance iPad hardware purchases alongside accessories. For example, you can finance the iPad Pro, Magic Keyboard, and Apple Pencil for 12 months with 0% interest, even though the Apple Pencil is a lower-cost item. Notably, you also still receive 3% daily cashback with these finance purchases through Apple Card. Apple explains that you simply select Apple Card monthly installments at checkout and complete your purchase, end quote. Something, something interesting, strategic partnerships. Walmart has announced that it has partnered with Shopify to expand its third-party marketplace, planning to add around 1,200 Shopify sellers this year alone. Quoting Bloomberg, The company's marketplace site, which already offers more than 75 million products, grew at a faster pace than Walmart's overall web business in the first quarter, and third-party sales are typically more profitable as the sellers pay a fee to list items and often shoulder the delivery costs. 
The collaboration is Walmart's latest attempt to expand the scale and profitability of its $21.5 billion U.S. e-commerce business, which is gaining ground on market leader Amazon, but continues to lose money. In recent years, Walmart has rolled out a fulfillment service for third-party sellers, allowed customers to return marketplace items in its physical stores, and jettisoned millions of third-party items that didn't meet quality standards. For Shopify, the deal, expected to be announced as early as Monday, provides its network of millions of merchants access to Walmart's customers and follows a May link-up with Facebook that allowed retailers to import Shopify product catalogs to the social media giant's new shops service, end quote. Walmart now has around 45,000 merchants in its marketplace, but at the same time, I don't think I mentioned it about a month ago, Walmart announced that it would be discontinuing its Jet.com site, which was a standalone e-commerce site it acquired for $3.3 billion in 2016, even as Walmart's overall Q1 e-commerce sales at all of Walmart sites were up overall 74%. So I don't know. Continues to be a muddled effort in e-commerce for Walmart, but maybe things are moving in the right direction? Maybe? Something else that slipped through the cracks, this from late last week, though. Late Friday, a letter leaked revealing that the House Judiciary Committee wrote to Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, and Facebook to have those companies say by Sunday whether or not their CEOs were willing to testify in antitrust hearings to take place next month, July. And this morning, a lawyer for Amazon says that Jeff Bezos is willing to testify, which would be a marked shift on Bezos's part, quoting the New York Times. Amazon had earlier resisted making him available to the House Judiciary Committee, the group overseeing the antitrust investigation, prompting lawmakers to threaten to legally compel Mr. Bezos to testify. In the letter sent on Sunday, which was reviewed by the New York Times, Robert K. Kellner of the law firm Covington Burling, which is representing Amazon before the investigation, said the company was, quote, committed to cooperating with your inquiry and will make the appropriate executive available to testify, end quote. He added, this includes making Jeff Bezos available to testify at a hearing with the other CEOs this summer, end quote. Mr. Kellner said that Mr. Bezos's availability was dependent on first resolving several issues, including timing, format, and questions about the committee's request for internal documents, end quote. Here's a little news that you could maybe use, but also it's just interesting whether or not you plan to take advantage of this knowledge or not. Multiple studies seem to show that people are more honest and convey more personal thoughts when they're writing on their smartphones than when they're writing on PCs, quoting the Wall Street Journal. In research published in March in the Journal of Marketing, Dr. Shiri Melumad, an assistant professor of marketing at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, conducted three field studies and two controlled experiments. One study looked at nearly 300,000 Twitter posts created in a 12-hour span. Tweets written on phones contained 47% more first-person pronouns and 52% more references to family than those written on PCs, she found. Quote, consumers tend to convey feelings or thoughts that are more private or intimate on their smartphones, which is captured by the use of I or we and mentioning family and friends, Dr. Melumad said. A second study employed 
1,380 judges as well as natural language processing software to analyze a random sample of more than 10,000 TripAdvisor restaurant reviews. The software scan revealed that reviews written on smartphones again contained more first-person pronouns and more references to friends. And crucially for marketers, they were judged to be more self-disclosing and in turn more persuasive. Quote, smartphone-generated content seems to be more diagnostic of how people truly feel, Dr. Melumad says. These reviews heightened readers' interest in visiting the restaurants, end quote. The final field study found that people were more likely to disclose personal information in response to an ad when targeted on their smartphone than on their PC. The controlled experiments, meanwhile, demonstrated that the small screen of a smartphone forces people to focus more on what they're writing than they do on a PC, a phenomenon known as attention narrowing. Attentional narrowing is found, quote, across online contexts. When we use our phone to tweet, write a review, answer survey questions, even when we're asked to reveal an incriminating activity, Dr. Bellymed says. The experiments also further establish that smartphones do, indeed, act as an adult pacifier, psychologically comforting users and thus driving them toward greater self-disclosure, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. But user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at cutsclothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. Cutsclothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. The rest of the segments in the show today are all going to be follow-ups to a bunch of our favorite long-running stories. For example, 
It wasn't that long ago that I was all excited that Apple and Google had joined forces to create COVID-19 contact tracing APIs that, the hope was, would help us all beat the pandemic. That, of course, assumed anyone wanted to actually beat the pandemic or at least had the fortitude to do what was necessary to defeat it, but I digress. Anyway, NBC News has a look at the efforts to create contact tracing apps using those APIs and found that the efforts seem to have stalled out, as most states are basically retreating from any previous interest in doing anything about the virus, and those few who are or have developed apps struggle with adoption among their populace. Quote, Most states are giving the cold shoulder to smartphone apps. A survey of state health officials from Business Insider this week showed that only three states, Alabama, North Dakota, and South Carolina, said they are going to use the software provided by Apple and Google. The number hasn't grown since the same three states reported interest last month, and none has launched an app with the Google Apple software. The factual analytical assessment is it's not a high upside said Andy Slavitt, an Obama administration healthcare official who is chair of the nonprofit United States of Care. Quote, the bulk of the investment you need to make is in manpower, end quote. It's not the enthusiastic welcome that some technologists were hoping for when they began planning months ago for the launch of smartphone apps that would help respond to the pandemic and contribute to a return to something like normal life. Even the World Health Organization has piled on, quote, digital tools do not replace the human capacity needed to do contact tracing. WHO's director general said at a briefing this week, adding that more evidence was needed and that the WHO would convene experts to share information. And while there are early reports of successful mobile tracing technology in some countries, such as South Korea and Taiwan, the efforts so far have fallen flat in the U.S. Quote, It is something that launched and then sort of fell away, said Ryan Callow, a University of Washington law professor and expert in tech policy and privacy, who was an early skeptic that the apps could be effective. He said, it makes sense for states to focus on human contact tracers who, quote, have been effective since the bubonic plague, end quote. And I can't resist a follow-up on the whole Quibi situation, of course. Ben Mullen in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend had an in-depth look at how things are going over in Quibi land and among the other details. Quibi is apparently on track to sign up fewer than 2 million paying subscribers by the end of its first year in business, which would be significantly below the original target of 7.4 million. Here are some more fine-grained numbers. Quote, At its current pace, Quibi will sign up fewer than 2 million paying subscribers by the end of the app's first year. A person familiar with this operation said well under its original target of 7.4 million. And Quibi's app download numbers have been falling in recent weeks, according to analytics firm Sensor Tower. Daily downloads peaked at 379,000 on its April 6th launch day, but didn't exceed 20,000 on any day in the first week of June, according to Sensor Tower. As of June 7th, Quibi's app had been downloaded about 3.8 million times, according to Sensor Tower. Quibi said its internal figures show the app has been downloaded 5 million times. Not all downloads result in customer signups, though. By the end of May, more than 1.5 million users had signed up for Quibi, many of whom were on a free trial. The company is pacing behind its internal projections for user signups, according to a person familiar with the matter, end quote. Also, Quibi apparently did not even hit its own internal app trial targets for that first month, and things might be heading for a reckoning sooner rather than later as those free 90-day trials that early signups were offered begin to end next month. By that point, 
Q3. Estimates are that Quibi will already have burned through $1 billion and might need to raise at least an additional $200 million by the second half of 2021. But what is also interesting is how much of this piece seems to be from Meg Whitman's point of view, which is what tends to happen when one executive attempts to get ahead of bad news to try to salvage their reputation. Here is the lead of the piece. Make of this what you will. Quote, Near the beginning of her run as chief executive of Quibi, a new entrant into the streaming video wars, Meg Whitman threatened to quit. The Silicon Valley veteran worried her working relationship with founder and Hollywood bigwig Jeffrey Katzenberg had worsened to the point that it put the company's future in jeopardy, according to people familiar with her concerns. So in May 2018, she laid out a list of problems to Mr. Katzenberg. He had been dictatorial, treating her like one of his underlings. He interrupted employees, including her, in meetings. His interactions at the company had often been belittling and demeaning. He had a tendency to micromanage. He wasn't letting her be a true CEO. Mr. Katzenberg took her concerns seriously, and the two struck a deal that gave Ms. Whitman more independence at the company, the people said, end quote. In other words... Someone in somebody's camp wants to make it clear that whatever happens with Quibi, in the court of conventional wisdom, Jeffrey Katzenberg will be the one to own it. And finally today, can't resist this one either. SoftBank has apparently invested more than $500 million into Credit Suisse supply chain finance funds, and those funds then turned around and bought up the debt of struggling SoftBank-backed startups. So, have you ever heard of the phrase, robbing Peter to pay Paul? Yeah, well, this is sort of like funding Peter to buy up Paul's distressed debt, quoting the Financial Times. The arrangement has allowed SoftBank effectively to provide financial assistance to other vision fund companies by paying their suppliers up front, but through a fund commingled with other investors and financing other companies. This means external investors also bear the risk of those companies failing to pay their debts, which one person familiar with the arrangement said could prove problematic if they were unaware of SoftBank's substantial interest. Quote, you thought you were in an arm's-length arrangement where all your fellow investors had a pure financial interest, he said. Imagine you then found that, in fact, some of your co-investors were funding themselves, end quote. SoftBank, Credit Suisse, and Greensill Capital declined to comment, end quote. As Peter Thal Larson tweeted, quote, SoftBank's record of investing in tech startups may be mixed, but when it comes to financial innovation, it's in a league of its own. And as Sar Harabakti tweeted, quote, Remember how we used to make fun of crypto startups raising money with tokens and then investing in tokens of other crypto startups using their tokens? Here's the SoftBank version, end quote. Matt Levine, I know you're on hiatus for personal reasons, but if we ever needed an emergency newsletter from you, well, throwing up the bat signal. That is all for today. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at BrianMCC. The show subreddit is r slash ride home. If you are so inclined to do so, you can consume this podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash techmeme podcast, all one word. If you do go to YouTube, follow us, follow the channel there. And if you'd like to support the show directly and get a version of the show with zero ads in the bargain, check out the very last link in today's show notes. 